Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wrong Football Podcast. In a twist to our regular programming, Jesus uh, written the notes for this week's pod, but rest assured, somehow we will be in discussions of all things American football again this week. Let's do uh, it! <laughs> so uh, after what was pretty uh, a pretty amazing spectacle, we're going to be uh, going over the weekend's big events uh, and talk about the Super Bowl itself as we uh, cling to the last bits of football that we can uh, until next season. So uh, how are you doing, G? You all okay? Yeah, I'm good. Um, how are you, Chief? Uh, you know, a bit sore. I I don't want to uh, don't want to bore the uh, the listeners with uh, with details, but uh, I've had some some minor surgery this week. But uh, yeah, I'm getting I'm getting there now. I'm uh, I'm getting over it. Good, good. So uh, yeah, let's have a look at the uh, some of the talking points from around the league as we always start with. Uh, first of all, let's have a look at the season awards. Um, they obviously always publish the uh, the season awards towards the, around the, uh, the the Super Bowl weekend. Uh, this year was uh, was was no different. So the uh, the MVP of of the year to Probably, probably nobody's surprised. Would you say was Matt Ryan? I don't know. There seemed to be a fair amount of um, controversy in terms of a lot of people were pushing both very hard for Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. I, yeah. I, for the overall season, you can certainly see why I went with Matt Ryan, and we will get to how he fared in the Super Bowl shortly. Um, but it was a pretty amazing season, and so it's fairly hard to argue. Uh, the other one who was in the mix was Zeke Elliott for a phenomenal rookie season. Yeah, I mean there was there was a, there was a good few uh, there was a few rookies who had who had really good seasons. Obviously, Dak Prescott was another one. He, he got offensive rookie of the year. Yeah, I mean that that um, got the um, offensive rookie of the year. Joey Bosa got the defensive rookie of the year, which is pretty impressive when you consider um, that he missed games at the beginning and the end of the season, but he had a real impact on or a real impact even on that um, Chargers team and. You know, there were obviously Ezekiel Elliott. It seems interesting, but pushed a lot of, uh, um, of uh, events and didn't quite make many of them. Yeah, was there, was there any? I mean, obviously, this uh, without wanting to, I'm not going to run through the whole of the uh, the list of, of awards because there's there's the hundreds of them seemingly. Um, but is, all, is there all, with, all with individual sponsors. I hope you notice. <laughs> yes, they, they they all do have uh, have their individual sponsors. But is, is there anyone on there that, that you particularly you, you think? Maybe, maybe they don't necessarily deserve. Maybe you disagree with them slightly. I'm not sure. I'd go with any of them not deserving because you know they all have pretty good special seasons. I must admit, yeah. I did kind of feel the one that springs out to me is defensive player of the year. They went with Khalil Mack, and I thought Landon Collins, the safety from uh, the Giants, who racked up you know four sacks, 100 tackles, um, and five interceptions. You know that was a pretty spectacular season, and I did wonder whether he may be shaded. Max slightly uneven performance over the year. Um, not that he wasn't great. He's a hell of a pass rusher, but that was the one that leapt out at me. And, yeah. and also, maybe um, you, you would, you in particular, would make an argument for um, Adam Gase and all he went through rather than Jason Garrett. Mm, I would. I certainly would for, uh, for for coach of the year. I absolutely. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think given the uh, the season that he's managed to get out of the Dolphins, I think you're absolutely right. Oh, that was the one I was going to point out. To be perfectly honest, um, yeah, he's he's had a uh, he had a great season, and, and I suppose I suppose one thing that uh, that. that didn't necessarily surprise me. We were seeing that uh, the assistant coach of the year went to Carl Shanahan. Obviously, now he's going to be uh, he's going to be moving to uh, to uh, San Francisco to uh, to become the, the 49ers head coach. So, yeah, it's, it's it's been a good season for him as well. Yeah, although we shall be picking apart what happened in the Super Bowl. Shortly. Yeah, I mean, to, to <laughs> which, a point, which yeah. might colour how he looks back on this season. Yeah, possibly. Um, one one thing like this, obviously, MVP is something that that you that you that you look at as, as, a, as a whole across the whole season type thing do you think it really affects the playoff performance of any of the players that uh, that are there or thereabouts come the end of the season I'm not sure it does but these are regular season awards and it does seem sort of even very shortly afterwards you see some interesting turnarounds and 
you see bits and pieces of them and you you begin to wonder if it was sort of a greatness on the road award which I'm assuming is basically yeah. best running back which goes to Le'Veon Bell and then bless him he pulls a groin and doesn't have much in his final game and so it's it's kind of it's a slightly strange one to be given so close to the Super Bowl for the regular mm. season when already players have played on and sort of affected how we view them perhaps yeah, well, the other, the other thing that was uh, that was announced was the uh, the list of of those players that are going to be enshrined in this year's Hall of Fame. Um, there was uh, one, two, three, four, five. So I should have counted this before we were, before we uh, recorded. Uh, Live podcast producing people. That's uh, yeah, seven names that uh, that ended up on the uh, on the list for uh, for this year's Hall of Fame. Uh, Ladelian Tomlinson, uh, Morton Anderson, Jason Taylor, uh, Kenny Ursley, Jerry Jones, Terrell Davis, and Kurt Warner. Some some big names. Um, you generally get fairly big names going into the Hall of Fame. I mean, that's I'm kind assu- of how it works, I suppose. Yeah, I'm assuming the <laughs> '80s um, safety for the Seahawks is the one that possibly you you equally weren't as aware of as me. Yeah. Do you know which one yeah. that was? <laughs> uh, is it is it Kenny Ersley? I, I would say Eastley, but um, I'll, oh yeah, I'll, yeah be, okay. I'll be honest. Um, '81 to '87, I was a, a very proto American football fan. Like that's right, sort of when I started getting interesting off the back of the '85 Bears at the end of that. So. Mm. Um, everybody else I'm aware of, and Morton Anderson had a very long career. Jason Taylor, obviously, I'm assume you're really happy about. Absolutely delighted. Really, really pleased for Jason Taylor. And for, and a first ballot one as well, which I'm not sure people were necessarily predicting for him when he retired. And his name was coming up for consideration. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, no, you're right. Obviously, I think I think I kind of expected to see Kurt Warner there, um, part of the the kind of greatest show on on turf offense wasn't he so it was uh that was that was just as i was i was starting to to uh to get into the game so yeah it's good to good to see him in there as well and uh yeah some 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 really some really good names ladelian tomlinson as well yeah i mean ladamian thompson tomlinson had one of those stretches for the charges where he was doing everything was sort of catching the ball and running yeah. the ball and was winning everybody's fantasy leagues and dragging the charges into the playoffs but they couldn't quite get over the hump i mean if you're stuck pining for football and who isn't right now um, if you still have your game pass uh, the football football the football lives um, documentaries the Kurt Warner one is really really good I've possibly mentioned this before but um, playing coming up through um, NFL Europe and then a backup with um, St. Louis Rams until he finally got thrown in and, and was a great show on turf and then got cast off and then was backing up Eli Manning or breading him in for the Giants and then had the late career renaissance with the Cardinals it's really Quite an impressive career, and he he was mm. played well. But you know, he was a he was a good good man, and it's an interesting interesting watch. And yeah, very happy to see him get in. Yeah, no O lineman in though. Similar similar kind of thing to the MVP, I, th- I suppose. It's yeah, always this seems, is, seems to be it was, the same kind of positions. Yeah, I wanted to bring it up because it's a similar thing. Because through all this section, and, and we'll get to the Super Bowl in a minute. But you know, round the, the pomp and circumstance of it, they do these things like these awards and these things. And it's interesting that we often talk about football as the ultimate team game, and yet here we are celebrating individual performances. And there's perhaps no more team orientated play than the offensive linemen, who very much work as a unit and very often work sort of anonymously in front of all that's going on and without them the game can't happen and yet even the great ones it seems just go unnoticed when it comes to comes to the hall of fame and given that there were you know there were at least two tackles and a guard that were, were made the shortlist you know i was a little bit disappointed that not one of them made it in yeah yeah it's always always like you say it always seems to be the the the, the glamour positions isn't it that uh that, that that kind of gets focused on um Let's before before we move on to the uh, to the Super Bowl. One of the the, the big the big big things of the uh, of, of the whole uh, of the whole weekend that uh, a lot of people make uh, make make um, 
a special note of. And in fact, this year got a, a higher viewer rating, apparently, than the game itself, strangely enough, and has for the last three or four years, from what I'm hearing. Uh, the halftime show, Lady Gaga. What did, what did you make of it, Jay? Well, I was pretty impressed. I thought she... she made a a canny choice I, i've seen some on the more left-wing leading media outlets criticizing you know maybe that she wasn't avert enough in her political stuff but she started with a, you know a nice patriotic song then went into um, um our land is this land and sort of sung about inclusivity and got everything that you would want her to say about having fun and and inclusivity, but managed to do it in a way where she wasn't shoving it down people's throats and entertaining people. So I thought she actually ran a very nice line between getting a point across and entertaining everybody because, you know, we could all do with a bit of a break. And I thought mm. it was a pretty impressive show. You know, you've got pyrotechnics and wire work and all the dancers and usual stuff. I, I really thought she carried it off. I don't believe you agree with me. No, I don't. I wasn't that impressed, if I'm perfectly honest. I, I quite like... I like bands. I like big things. I like the odd surprise cameo. There was none of that in this, and I thought it was. I thought it was a bit, a bit kind of self indulgent, which I suppose it's always going to be. You're doing the halftime show of the Super Bowl, but it was a little bit self indulgent, and just it, it wasn't great. I, I look. I, I liked elements of it. I thought that the. I thought it was really clever. The, the drones at the beginning. Um, yeah. Making the, uh, the the American flag and the, and the stars and that that kind of thing in the background. I thought that was really clever. Um, I like that. That she started on top of the stadium as well. I thought that was a, that was a nice nice touch, um, but yeah, the rest of it just. I mean, she, she's very talented, but it was just it was just a bit un- underwhelming for me. From perfectly, honest. I just didn't think it was uh, particularly entertaining. That's well, what can I say? You know, different music thing own. for different folks, and you know, we, we've done Super Bowl halftime discussions in the past. I'm sure we'll come back to it, but I'm guessing I'm this sure won't be on your shortlist. It was certainly it won't not for, not for me, but uh, yeah, we'll have to see. Wait and see who uh, who makes it next year, and, and see whether they can uh, beat the beat the ratings of the game again. Dep- very much depends on who gets <laughs> called. Yeah, I suppose so. Right, that is it then. That's the the final game was played on Sunday. The big one, the Super Bowl, uh, and what a game it was! It was the the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons, the AFC versus the NFC, and it finished. Uh, 34-28 to the New England Patriots. What did you What did you make of this one, G? I thought personally, I was watching this um, a day after the, the the game happened because I, for medical reasons, um, but I thought it was it was one of the best Super Bowls I think I've seen it's certainly one of the dramatic, most dramatic and had an incredible ending I thought it was interesting to me that I wrote beforehand in my preview that I could see the Falcons running away with it or I could see the Patriots grinding it out and in a close game I favoured the Patriots I was not expecting all three things to happen in the same game and <laughs> we really really did because the opening quarter was both defences on top which no one was expecting everybody was expecting um, the offences to win out then we had a, a real points explosion from the Falcons in the second quarter including a pick six for Brady which yeah. put them 21-3 up at the half opening up in the third quarter the um, Falcons make it 28-3 and we're all thinking Blimey, this is it. Particularly when the Patriots finally do get a score and they miss the extra point. And then somehow in the fourth quarter, they managed to get the field goal and two um, touchdowns with two-point conversions to draw level and win in overtime. And it was just an incredible comeback um, mixed in with a fairly spectacular um, loss of lead by the Falcons. Yeah, first ever, first time the uh, the Super Bowl's ever gone to overtime, isn't it? And 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 it was the it was one another bizarre bizarre stat. The uh, the the Patriots actually were, were winning for zero minutes and zero seconds of this game, but still ended up winning it. <laughs> 
Yes, yes. But I, I, you do like a good odd stat, and so, I love it. Yeah. I mean, I, I was expecting you to come in and say that um, clearly it was the white jerseys that won it. <laughs> well, I, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah, I forgot we mentioned that last week. But uh, yeah, it was a, it was a it was a, an amazing comeback. It, like you say, it looked certainly for the for the first half and 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 probably the first half of the third quarter as well um, that. It, everything was just going going Atlanta's way, and it, it looked like it was going to be an absolute landslide. But how how the Patriots got got back into it was just 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 beyond belief, wasn't it? Yeah, and the, the weird thing was that um, it was sort of everything was misfiring offense for the Patriots. We, you had drop balls and Brady being a little inaccurate, and there were you know there were sacks. In fact, both sides sacked the quarterback five times. Five times, but, yeah. Um, and, and they sort of rattled Brady, and the defense was playing really well for the Falcons, and then. They wore down a bit. The Patriots didn't panic and lent on that experience and pulled themselves back in. I mean, it wasn't just Brady who was making plays. I mean, that Edelman catch in the oh, fourth quarter. I, I, I yeah. still don't understand how um, um, how we ended up with the ball. It sort of bounced off in a Falcon player, yeah. and there's you know three three players in a heap, and somehow Edelman manages to to pluck that ball out the air and, and, and how make it, the catch. And how it didn't hit the floor, hit the ground. Me and, yeah. me and me and Jen, my wife, were, were both sat there going, "We watched watching the replay of it three or four times, going, it's hit the floor.' No, it's not. No, it's hit the floor. No, it hasn't." And yeah, just how he how he came away with that was incredible. And and but equally, you know, there were some incredible plays by the Falcons. Um, particularly Julio Jones pulled off a couple of incredible toe tap touchdowns. Uh, one yeah. where he pretty much plucked the ball from it from a Patriots defender and, and pulled it down. And the big thing that we're hearing a lot of discussion of is even with um, the comeback from the Patriots, the the Falcons had the ball on pretty much on like their twenty one yard line. After mm. that incredible catch by uh, um, by Julio Jones, and they ran pass plays, and they did big seven step drops, and and Freeman missed missed a, a block, and and Hightower sacked him, and and rather than just running three times, kicking a field goal, which would probably have won it for them in the end, um, they passed, and so there's been a lot of questioning about the play calling at the end and how much passing the Falcons were doing when really they should have been running out the clock, and and yeah. yeah. You know, Brady, you shouldn't take anything away. But also, they didn't run the ball that badly. They didn't panic. And, and one of the ways they did it was they sort of like brute forced it for a bit just to run the clock out as much as anything else. Yeah, it was, you, you're spot on. And, and and one of the things I was going to point out actually is I, having got that, that that lead, I absolutely expected expected the the, the Falcons to, to run and run and run after that. But I think I think they only I think they only ran about four times after they after they got it to twenty eight three. Yeah, I think in the rest of the game they only ran it about four more times. Yeah, and, and I think they were trying to be aggressive and maybe I mean I I, I hesitate just because it's easy enough after the fact and and we I often talk about conservative coaching, but uh, um it seems that when the time of possession is forty minutes to new for New England. And and 23 for for the Falcons that yeah. something's gone a little wrong when the strength of your side is the offense. Mm. Yeah, and also yeah, they were running the ball really well. They may not have been um you know startling overall numbers but they were going for sort of 6 yards a pop or something crazy. So and okay so we had a couple of huge runs that um that, that sort of exaggerated and lengthened that stat uh, it, through the course of the game. But it, it's still also a matter of just grinding out the clock and trying to shorten the game. You want to give yeah. Brady as little time to come back as possible, clearly. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what do you think? Well, I suppose there's, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. You could you could either see it as a, as a Falcons choke job 
or an amazing comeback, or, or do you think it's a bit of a mixture of the two? What, what do we reckon? I think that it was an amazing comeback, but you don't make that amazing comeback without the Falcons making mistakes. I feel really yeah. sorry for their defense wearing down. I think that Kyle Shanahan possibly will have learned a thing or two about um, um, how to call the game with a lead like that. But also, uh, whilst people are talking about Kyle Shanahan, you know Dan Quinn has every right as a defensive head coach, and bearing in mind that he was in charge of the um, Seahawks defense in the game where um, they lost to the Patriots and, and that that play call to say, look, just run the ball. Having you know had v- v- that interception by Malcolm Butler cost him the game. You maybe thought that he would have been in the head of the offensive coordinator's ear, going, you know, we need to run it here and run the clock yeah. out. Don't forget yeah. that we, you know, let's try and remain balanced. Mm. So it's a uh, so it's a fifth Super Bowl ring for uh, for Tom for Tom Brady and obviously the uh, for his 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 Patriots. What what do you think for the for the Falcons next year? What do you think the uh, the future holds for them next next year? I'm still excited by the Falcons as long as this doesn't scar them too much. Uh, I'm I'm going to go cross sport um, for a comparison here <laughs> because um, it's it's got to be a brutal loss. It's going to be really hurting for them, but. Everybody would be focusing on how they're down and how do they come back from that. And the example I would give as a counter-argument would be the, um, the basketball team just down the road. Well, I say just down the road. Texas is a big place uh, or big state. But um, the San Antonio Spurs lost horribly against the um, Cleveland Cavaliers. Like, or sorry, not Cleveland Cavaliers. The Miami Heat, let's get it right. Um, they, they had the series. They were actually beginning to rope off to do the presentation. And then an incredible shot cost them that game. And then they lost the series and everybody thought well that's a really old team and, and that's it done and they just used it for motivation came back mm. and blew the heat away the following year so it can be done with the right coaching staff and I don't think Dan Quinn is going to back away um, I respect him and what he's done with Pete Carroll he's already got his replacement for um, Kyle Shanahan he's I've forgotten the guy's name but it's the offensive coordinator who stepped in for the um, Alabama Crimson Tide recently in the playoffs shortly and that well, I think they've been uh, Steve Sarsky. Yes, and I think they've been building the the defense in the right way. So I'm going to think they're going to keep building the young players, and if they get another pass rusher to go on the other side of Vic Beasley, and they can keep the offense together, I may, it may not be as spectacular as it was this year, but. Matt Ryan isn't going anywhere, um, and they're keeping enough of those pieces in that offense. That I think that they should. I think that you would hope they would come back wanting to avenge this loss and prove that they weren't a one-year wonder. That's certainly how mm. I would play it as a coaching staff. And so I don't think all this lost. I think they can bounce back. And finally, then before we uh, move on, the Patriots. Do you think they're going to hold on again next season, or do you think uh, do you think someone else could uh, could challenge that uh, that AFC crown? It's hard to argue against the Patriots, isn't it? At the moment, it um, certainly is. Uh, interesting that um, apparently Giselle is trying to persuade Brady to retire, and he's having none of it. Um, he's thirty nine. He should be slowing down. I mean, quarterbacks can slow down quickly, so it might be that at some point next season it, he suddenly tails off, but. I mean, did you see the, the, the run he, he pulled off in the first half? He's like the only 39-year-old ever to be quicker than he was when he was 25. It's um, yeah. We know his commitment. I wouldn't bet against him. And obviously, Belichick knows what he's doing. And, and I think they will be the team to beat yet again next year in the AFC. I think you're absolutely right. We're just going to have to wait and see, aren't we? See how uh, what how how the off season goes for uh, for both teams. I'm sorry, Dan. I'm sure you didn't want to hear that as you're in their division. <laughs> it's fine. I'm used to it. It's a fumble! 
Right, and Jay, so for the last time this season, it's time to have a look at what you've been writing about on the blog uh, this week. Except, obviously, it was it was obviously a pre- it was going to be a, uh, a Super Bowl preview. Uh, I, I kind of suppose that everybody's kind of writing those at the moment. So what, what, you're, you had a, a particularly long uh, po- uh, piece this week, didn't you? 1,800 words. What, did you, uh, what, did, what was your, your slant on things? Well, what I did was I took um, a slant, quick run through both teams' um, season, how they got there, looking at sort of the strength of the offence and how the defence came on for the Falcons uh, skirting over deflate gate but sort of like the Patriots just incredible season all round I mean they'd lost two games um, before before coming into the playoffs and then going into and then going into the preview of the game itself and I talked about how the offence was going to work and how how the Patriots defence might challenge it and I need to go back to the coaching tape to see the matchups but um, as I said when discussing the game in summary I was talking about those those three points and sort of how I could see the, the Falcons offense really running away or the Patriots grinding it out or the Patriots and if it you know or it being a close game the Patriots winning out and we got all three which um I'm not sure if that means I'm right or that I just you know <laughs> picked off a lot of a lot of bases and got lucky um but it was a fun thing to do I shall sort of be switching into off-season mode coming up but it it was fun and I hope some people found it useful I'm sure they will. Speaking speaking of the off season, what have you uh, what have you got planned? I'm going to take a little time off. Um, I'm planning a second second children's book at the moment. I've just I've just finished like the third swim through, so I have like a draft that I can actually show editors and stuff. In the off season, I will be sort of looking at what we can do with the blog for next season. I will probably be doing some self scouting, hopefully reading some coaching books. I didn't get into as much of that last year as I would have liked to. So hopefully reading some football books, um, learning a little more about defenses and offenses, maybe some offensive line stuff, and and sort of in no time we'll be looking at the off season and it'll be pre-season and we'll be talking once a week again excellent absolutely we certainly will be well uh, for all of that and more during the post-season uh, please make sure you stay up to date with everything in cheese world at the wrong football.com are you ready for some football so with everything uh, now grinding to a, uh, a bit of a, a bit of a halt game wise how do uh, well, it's time to have a look i suppose at uh, the off season and, and what uh, what is uh, to come over the, uh, over the over the next few months it's uh, i suppose it's that it's that rare time of year where where players and coaches actually get to maybe have a bit of a rest isn't it well a little bit of a rest it's it's kind of a strange thing the players will be taking uh, have been taking time to recuperate off from the end of the season depending on where it was for them but um, most of them only take a few weeks um these these days um, to rest the body up and sort of recover mm. and then I'll start training for, for next season it wouldn't surprise me if some of them who weren't in the playoffs were already at it um, certainly the ones in the playoffs will be taking some, some well-earned time off uh, and, and they'll be at it meanwhile coaches have been prepping for, for the off-season pretty much from the get-go obviously we've had the various ones who've lost jobs or moved jobs but yeah. they'll be in draft mode looking at coaching tape trying to prepare for that and also the um, front office will be looking at free agency and so we'll get to go through free agency first and then they'll have the draft and then I think shortly after the draft and before we get to training camp um, you start getting the little OTAs and then there's a little window where the coaches can have a couple of weeks off and then it's um, training camp and the grind again off until the end of the season so there's yeah. very little time for either sets of people in the NFL to get much of a holiday nor for, nor for fans I suppose because like you say it's, it's not uh, it's not long at all before you know it the draft's upon you and we're, and we're recording another podcast yeah I mean drafts uh, <laughs> dra- the draft prep is already happening there's plenty of podcasts out there um, we tend to stick away from that coverage because we don't tend to follow the college game so I, yeah. I'm following those draft podcasts and, and I'll probably write something about the draft 
because I like to, but from a more more top-down perspective rather than getting to nitty-gritty of this is a good pick or this is a bad pick uh, mm. a bit more more meta in terms of what moves i liked and i didn't like to, i tend to be fairly conservative so you know not trading up too much um trading down and how to build a build a squad which does interest me very much but rather than going oh this was a brilliant pick or this was a terrible pick unless you know there's some particularly good or bad moves yeah well I mean, look, one let's have a look at one very very important thing i suppose in the uh, in the draft is always the first pick and the browns have got the first pick as as things stand now yeah uh, who? What do you? What? What kind of position? Do they, they've got to be looking quarterback, haven't they? The quarterback class is not that great this year, from from yeah. the talk of it. And so, there's not anyone that they're shouting is actually like totally number one uh, um, worthy, from from what I'm hearing. And I, I get the impression there's been some talk that they might actually be trying to pull a maneuver to get Jimmy Garoppolo off the um, Patriots. Oh wow! Okay, so I mean, who knows if anything comes to it? It's way too early, and, and but that's one option that's been talked about. Uh, a lot of the mock drafts haven't taken a pass rusher. And uh, forgive me, I haven't fully dived, delved into this. So I'm forgetting his name, but there is an outstanding pass rusher, which would obviously mm. help their defense. Um, the problem with quarterbacks is, I think that they're often drafted in the first round because that you need a quarterback rather than necessarily the, the talent being there, and so. I think it's one of those ones where if you're somebody obvious like like Andrew Luck, where you can take him at the draft and feel very comfortable, that's great. But obviously, if you look at the quarterbacks from last year, uh, we had um, Jared Goff taken first overall by the Rams, and he, he was um, they gave away a lot of picks to get up there, and he didn't play. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz went second to the Eagles um, and looks much more like the, the pro quarterback going through the season. So it swings and roundabouts, but there's been a lot of... of first round busts and big misses and it can really hurt your team uh, if you don't get that decision right so yeah finding a quarterback is not always that simple yeah well that's uh, that's 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 great we obviously we're going to have to uh, keep an eye on uh, on all things uh all things NFL during the uh, the postseason, as he, uh, as we always do, we'll we'll have the odd uh, podcast as we uh, as we go through as well. So uh, yeah, keep your eyes peeled and ears peeled for that. Oh, I felt that one way up here. Well, that's all we've got time for for this episode and this season of the Wrong Football Podcast. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we finished this season with yet another Patriots win, and eyes will uh, all turn to the off season going forward. Um, as we always do, uh, we will be a little bit less busy over the uh, the off season. G's going to be writing and preparing for next year. I'm going to be well recuperating from managing G for a bit uh, and in the meantime make sure you uh, you like and subscribe to the podcast to get it delivered to you uh, when as and when they drop throughout throughout the off season and each and every Thursday nights once the season begins again um, also make sure you check out the blog to keep up with what G's been up to during the off season that's at thewrongfootball.com uh, we're not going into complete hibernation so if you do want to get in touch with us please make sure you either drop us a, li- an, a line by email to twfpodcast at outlook.com or find either G or myself on Twitter at wrongfootball or at twfdan thank you so much for listening all season keep an eye out for the new blogs and pods because uh, football is a year lounge sport and uh, before you know it we'll, we'll be back for pre-season uh, take care see you again soon bye hi a uh, quick interlude from dan here um you may or may not know it uh, is not the easiest of things to, uh, to to edit G and to keep G under control throughout the season. So uh, I've been saving up some of his uh, some of his best moments that perhaps haven't made the uh, the, the show. Uh, and yeah, I thought you might like to listen to them now. Insert package giggity. <laughs>
Safety. Horse! Arooga, arooga, rah, rah. Ba, ba, ba. Ah, 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 ah. I was filling with me bells. <laughs> hey, darling. Ah, I read good. I shall have to remove your spleen. I'm so excited. Love you. Reading, reading, reading. Mine! I'm gonna eat your little fish here. I'm gonna eat your little fish here. I'm gonna eat your little fish here, cause I like little fish. <laughs>